were desperate to feel, you were desperate to know, and we're desperate for change. And the only, all those things can happen only in the place where you meet us. So Lord, we love you and we still have faith. All of Christ people said. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. I want to especially give a big thanks to all the people that have worked so tremendously with the children. Were they just not amazing today? Were they? Yes, they were. Y'all don't realize, some of you don't realize how many children we have down in, in our children's ministry. And the Lord has blessed them mightily. And I want to thank Wimberley and Summer especially. They've done a great job and, and what the Lord has done. So uh, I don't even know how to segue into this except just to tell you, uh, where's Judy? Judy, there you are. W- wave your hand. Judy, we love Judy. There's Judy. She's my friend. And she has to be my friend because she loves Jesus. So she has to love me, and I'm weird. She just gave me the thumbs up. So some of you that were with us on Sunday night know what I'm talking about. There's, there's some strange things that's been happening to me in the Spirit. So I know you think I'm strange. Okay, good. I got the thumbs up. That's good. All the elders were like, yeah. All right, so thank you for the vote of comments. But what I'm trying to say is, God's really been moving mightily in, in my life and been moving in a lot of your lives. He's been moving prophetically. And for some of you that are scared of the term, I have a couple words from the Lord for you. Get over it. So what I'm saying is this. And so Sunday night, Miss Judy, we're, we're in worship and, and, and Jeremy Pollitt is preaching so incredibly that uh, Judy uh, begins to go into a seizure. Correct, Judy? So I look around, and, and all of a sudden, Jeremy goes, is she okay? And the next day, I know her sister, Tammy, I believe said, after you said pastor, uh, she said she's having a seizure. So there's Judy. And so we lie on the floor on her left side, because we have nurses at Summit, which praise God. So we lie on the left side. Right, Judy? I'm telling the truth, shame the devil. And, and so I'm right next to her. Like, I'm lying on the ground next to her, and I'm like, my face is right at her face, because I want to see where her tongue is, and I want to see about her breathing. And so they're like, is she breathing? I'm like, yes, she's breathing. The other people are, are there. And so all of a sudden, I kid you not, I kid you not, I'm like looking into her eyes, and where's, where's Julian? There, there you are, sorry. The lights, I can't see Julian. You're like, it's so handsome, I can't see. And so Julian's one of our elders, and he starts, he starts praying. Well, Jimmy says, somebody needs to pray, right? We're at worship, we ought to pray. So Judy's in the seizure, he's praying. I am telling the gospel truth. You ask Jesus Christ. And so he goes into prayer, and I'm, I'm not, I don't have my eyes closed. I'm, I'm half listening, but I'm watching her because I'm watching her tongue. And so, as he, this is no joke. He gets done praying. Judy, you don't even remember this, but I told you this. As soon as he got done praying, I promise you in the name of Jesus, her eyes opened. Am I telling the truth? Her eyes opened, and I looked at Judy. I said, Judy, can you hear me? This is as soon as you got done praying. She'd been in that seizure. As soon as you got done praying, you got done praying. Her eyes opened. I said, Judy, can you hear me? She said, yes. She started to cry, and she says, I'm sorry. I'm like, you're sorry? She goes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess up worship. I said, Judy, you're at Summit. Welcome to the jungle. You can't mess up Summit. Like, we are just, we're already out there. We're already messed up. It's great. So, all of a sudden... 
Then Shannon Chafin comes in like the mothering mother eagle over her nest. And she swoops in. Right there she is. She swoops in because she knows what it is to have seizures because she has pods. And I've been with Shannon when she had one on at least 30 minutes at one time. And so I'm sitting there and she comes in. She says, let me tell you. And I can barely hear what she's saying. I don't even know what to do as a pastor. I'm like this. It's like Jeopardy for me. I didn't know what to do. And so Shannon's just like, let me tell you, God's got a plan in this. He's going to use you, and you're going to grow across the hospital, and you're going to witness to somebody. I'm telling you, and I hear you say that, and I'm thinking, well, that's theologically correct. But is, are we really going to witness gospel truth? Fast forward. So we go to the ambulance, right, Judy? So I'm riding the ambulance with you, right? But I'm not in, like, the back of the ambulance. I'm in the front of the ambulance with the driver. And so, but, the, you know, they got the little cubby hole. I've been in the ambulance many times, some of you as well. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this isn't my first rodeo, people. So I'm in there, and just, I, I really want to play with the gadgets, but I don't. <laughs> Coordinates. Just, I mean, it's all touchscreen. I wanted to, it was all I could do. It was like a little kid just sitting there in front of, don't touch that ice cream. Don't touch that. I mean, I just wanted to just. Start touching buttons. And every time the lady would leave, I was like, this is my chance. And so I did not touch anything, praise God. So in there, and I'm listening to this lady, the EMT, this is a true story, talking to her about just kind of comforting Judy. And so all of a sudden, the Spirit of God prophetically moves. I'm not lying to you, family. I am not lying to you. All of a sudden, the Word of God tells me, Spirit of God tells me, John, that EMT, that 32-year-old lady, is going to be a nurse. She has the gift of mercy. So we get to Trotit. We're the third ambulance there, right, Judy? We get to Trotit. We're in, and they're taking Judy out. They, we got her down. They got her on the gurney, right? And the stretcher, excuse me. And, and so it's there. The one EMT walks to the front of the car. I look. And you know how I get like when the spirit moves. My eyes dilate. I get fixated. And this lady, you know, here she comes. She doesn't know me. I've never seen her in my life. I look right at her. And I say, you have the gift of mercy and you're going to be a nurse. Now, there's only Judy, that EMT, myself, and Jesus Christ. And the lady steps back and says, you're right. I only have three classes left, and I'm getting, ready to gradu- I'm getting ready to graduate as a nurse. I've been an EMT for 12 years, and I'm going to be a nurse. Now, she's freaked out, but I'm not. She's like, how did you know? And by this time, the other EMT comes around the ambulance. Judy is my witness now. She ain't on drugs yet, people. So we come around, and, and all of a sudden, the lady that I prophesied to, she turned and said, she told you. I looked at the EMT. I said, ma'am, I said, did we even talk about her, and do I even know her name? She goes, you do not. We didn't even talk about you. So she's freaked out. So we get Judy in and we're talking. Judy's in the, uh, the room there and I'm outside and the doctor's in and they're kind of doing some stuff. So I step out a little bit and, and I'm standing there in the ER, uh, back there where the patients are. And all of a sudden the, the EMT comes out. I said, ma'am, listen, I want to tell you something. Here's my card. I'm not a freak. You, you know, I'm just going straight pinto beans and cornbread. I'm not a freak. I get my card. I said, I'm the campus minister at CSU. I teach. I'm not a freak. I'm not a freak. I said, but I want you to know something. There's a lot of more. I went clubber lang on you for Rocky Three people. There's a lot of more. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Watch it. I said, there's a lot of more. She didn't know how to take me. She was like, uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Right? And then all of a sudden, the other EMT comes up, and she looks at me. She goes, how did you know that? 
I said, ma'am, you don't want to know. You know me? Pinto beans and cornbread. The elevator don't make it all the way up, people. She's like, what? I said, I am not a fortune teller. I am not a fortune teller. But I will tell you, the Holy Spirit told me. She just goes, how'd you know? And walks off. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy is coming true. Just when you were saying that, we get an opportunity to share the gospel. Let me tell you something. An atheist might not believe in God, but they have to say something happened, people. Because how else do we have word of knowledge? How else do we know about that? Because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And Coach Gardenia, Coach Chadwell, Coach Tucker, Coach Bob, they know I'm telling the truth. They know in Thursday in Bible study, did I not prophesy? Did I not say what was going to happen in the game? You even came up to me after the game. And here's what's really freakazoid, people. Now, I'm not big into dreams. Some of you are. I usually don't have good dreams, like lying on my back in the middle of the buffet at Golden Corral and people feed me <laughs> as Ricky Reyes waves a palm branch in my face. I don't have those type of dreams, though I wish I did. So, I look at Kevin, who does the Big South uh, network with me. He's the play-by-play uh, -play commentator. The Lord is my witness. I will not lie to you. One, I'm afraid that he'd strike me down up here. Just read Acts chapter 5, people. Ananias and Sapphira. And number two, I want him to honor this broken vessel. This is a true story. I looked at him and I said, Kevin, I had a dream, and I want you to hold me accountable because I think God might be speaking to me more in dreams than I'm paying attention. And he said, what do you mean? I said, look, I want you to hold me accountable. This was in the media break. Hold me accountable. I said, because I'm, I'm even scared to say it. I said, I should have said it Friday night or Friday evening at 515 to the football team, but I'm a big chicken, people. I like to eat chicken, but I am a chicken. So I'm scared. I'm just scared to say sometimes. You rarely hear me say, thus saith the Lord. Right? What do you hear me say? To the best that I can understand the Holy Spirit. That's just a generic way to get out of it. So I, I didn't say thus saith the Lord. I should have said it to him. And I looked at him. I said, hold me accountable. God showed me that the final score of the game will be 14 to 7. Okay, I was off by one point. But does that not freak you out? I had a dream on Thursday night, and I chickened out to say it. I almost said it. You saw me kind of look far off, and I looked at y'all and prophesied And Friday. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. I, I get this look, and I just looked off. And I looked at him, I said, you will have to play the whole game. I said it. And I chickened out at that moment. And I would have said, by the way, this is the score. I don't know what's going on. I just know the Lord has shown me some great stuff, and I want to powerfully express that. And here's what I'm trying to say, family. Here is what I'm trying to say. And I listen to, I, I, you want to listen to a preacher? Johnny James. Now, you might not be apostolic and all that stuff, but I'm going to tell you what, that man could preach paint off that wall. But I'm going to tell you something. This church body is not an organization. We're an organism. I'll go over here. Thank you, Kevin. 
We are not an organization. We are organism. Organizations are where people get together and you have these big boardroom and then all of a sudden somebody says, somebody's got to be the head. Somebody's got to be the chair. Somebody's got to be the president. Somebody's got to be the chairman. Something has to be the head. Let me just tell you something. As Johnny Jim would say, that is out of order. You don't have the body and then you get the head. You get the head. Then you get the... Christ is the head of the... Christ is the head of the... We are the body. The body didn't come first. The head came first. So all these organizations, technically at times, they're out of order. Now, I'm not saying we can't learn great things from business. I'm not saying that we can't learn great organizational skills, skills from them and leadership skills and entrepreneur skills and all of the finance and all of the information systems and all of the accounting and all the econ. I'm not saying that we can't learn those great mighty things. Those are wonderful things. But I want to tell you something. They do not supersede the head. We are a living, breathing organism. And God is no respecter of persons. And I want to tell you this. If the very God of the universe can start speaking prophetically to me, he can speak prophetically to you. Back it up in Scripture, John. 1 Corinthians 14. The gift that we're supposed to seek after the gift of love is the gift of what? I I didn't hear you. What? Prophecy. Because you see, God, you said, but John, that's not me. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't play. I can't. Listen, I want to tell you something. You know what? There is something. There is a living. There is a living part. There's a living organism, if you will. There's something living in our bodies that goes to all part. Though our organs, though our, our structure is fixated, there's one part of the body that is not fixated. You see the liver stays in its place. You see the kidney stays in its place. You see the heart stays in its place. The ears stay in their place. The nose stays in its place. Our hands stay in their place. But there is one, there is one part of our body that does not stay in the place. And it is mobile, agile, and hostile, just to go with a little bit. And it's the blood. It's the blood. You see, the blood is not restricted to a place. The blood can go to any place, and it's no respecter of where it goes. The blood will go to the head as well as go to the fungus on your toe. You can laugh at that. The blood will go even to that, those corns on your toe. And you know them nasty, ugly feet people got? The blood is no respecter. It'll still go there. So what I want to tell you is this. Though you might be sitting in your seat and you might be saying, God, ain't nothing going to happen to me. God, ain't nothing going to use me. I'm just staying in my lane and nothing's happened. I want to tell you something, that the blood of life is going to come to you and going to rattle you. And the blood of Jesus Christ will take you from that place and take you to right to where you need to be. You don't have to go looking for life, life will come looking for you in the blood of Jesus. And that is why the blood of Jesus is so precious. Because the blood came to us in Jesus. And that is why Christmas is so great. The gospel shows that God is faithful. And I've been preaching to that football team that God is faithful and he has done it. Even when we are weak, he is what? Because the blood of Jesus. Listen, Luke chapter 2. Kelvin read it, but I want to go there. Luke chapter 2. I can't believe it's already 
Man, time is flying in here. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. You already know it. You watch Charlie Brown. You already watched Linus say it, which happens to be one of my favorite parts. of When they start spouting scripture in a cartoon on national television, let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus will come and fix anything. We don't have to put on Facebook and f- flash around the New York Daily News that says God can't fix this with all the tweets of, has tweets of all these senators and politicians. We are praying for the families in California. We are praying to them. And it has a big cover on the, on the magazine or the newspaper that says God can't fix this. I want you to know that God has already fixed it in the name of Jesus. And when you kick Jesus out of school and when you kick Jesus out of government and when you kick Jesus out of your house, the reason why he hadn't fixed it is because you won't let him fix it. But he's already fixed it. Maybe I should go eat those donuts back there a little more. Man, I got some energy. I don't know what's going on. Verse 8, and there we're in the same country or fields, shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you what? Good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the heavenly host a multitude, uh, uh, excuse me, and suddenly was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Good will toward men. Listen, I want you to know the angel came and said, I will bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. The word for good news is this Greek word, euangelizo, or the noun euangelion, which means the message of victory. Now, you see, you see, when we buy into the gospel, when the good news comes, we walk around with a message of victory. Let me put it to you this way. John Piper, this is a book I've had for a, a while. Y'all can see, like, it's, it's just pretty trash. I mean, you see how, like, the binders are broken up. But I just want to say, he, he gives an illustration. It's really good, and you understand. Think about this. You say, but John, there's still ISIS, and there's still pain, and there's still suffering, and there's still sorrow. Here is the beauty of what it's like. I will bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all peoples. A message of victory. That's what I've been bringing to the football team. Have I not? Have I not? Have I not? It's a message of victory before you see the victory. Here's the illustration that John Piper gave, which was brilliant. Could you imagine if we were all in World War II and we were in a concentration camp or we were in a prisoner, uh, let me make it a prisoner of war camp, and we're in there and they have not fed us and there's people in there, there's prisoners of war around us and they're sick and they're diseased, they're lying there drowning in their fluid as their body It's shutting down. Some too weak to even talk. Emaciated with eyes sunken in. Some that are just skin and bones with a loincloth around. Holding the gate 
as people and soldiers walk by. And there we with sullen, sad faces sit there every day trapped in the prison cell waiting for the victor the victory to come. But we have the message of the gospel. So though it might seem to the world that we are trapped, the illustration continues as if somebody snuck in one of those ham radios to us, those shortwave radios, and we got a little bit of information and we found that the victory is coming, that the soldiers that were going to bring us redemption were just miles away. Could you imagine us Inside that camp, as people would walk by, our captors would walk by and they would look at us as captives. We would be celebrating. We would be singing. We would be pumping up each other and high-fiving, excited. And they're walking by going, what? I'm looking at them. They're still in the cage. There's still people dying. There's still people that are too weak to move. There's still no food. There's still no water. Why are they celebrating? Because they don't know that our victory is coming. You see, the king is coming. And though the world might look at us and say, you're trapped. The world is evil. We're doomed. There's nothing left. We come together. And we celebrate and the world walks by and go, how can you respond like this? Because we know there's a day coming that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what it looks like. Not only do we need, not only do we need a declaration of the gospel, as I said two weeks ago, and not only do we need a proclamation of the gospel, I said two weeks ago, but saints, we need an explanation. We need an explanation. And here I'm going to try and make it as fast as I can. Are y'all ready? This, I'm going to, the explanation of the gospel is this. That though you and I might seem that we're trapped in anything, let me tell you something. God is faithful and you can rejoice in the middle of anything. Pain, suffering, sorrow, good times, bad times. It don't matter because my rejoicing is not in my circumstances. My rejoicing is in the God of my circumstances. And God is going to do something magnificent. So how is God faithful? Revelation 21. Let's turn there. Woo, we're going to have to book and we're going to have to fly. Fly like an eagle. Never mind. Just had to go old school music. Y'all don't even know that song. That's all right. You can YouTube it. Revelation 21. So here's what it means when Jesus came. This is what Christmas, this is why it's celebratory. This is not the satanic Christmas in Revelation when, when the two witnesses are dead and they give gifts to one another. Read it for yourself. This is Christmas, Mass to sin, Christ, Christ, Mass to sin, Christ. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look! See, I had to go loud because it was, never mind. Look! God's dwelling is with who? Humanity. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. Come on, somebody. And he will wipe away every tear 
Can I just say that one more time? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Father, make it clear within five minutes or something, make it clear how we can go and move forward and trust that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. This is why Christmas is so powerful to quote Stephen Dempster. The reason why it's powerful when Jesus came, he was to bringing us out of exile. He is, he is rescuing us from exile. We are not trapped in these weak bodies. We are not trapped in the limitations of man. Jesus has come to do what only he can do. He is not only the bright and morning star, he is the redeemer that we look to. Listen, this is so powerful. He's bringing us out of exile. Numbers 24, verse 17. Here's a, here's a prophecy. Here's to show you how Jesus is bringing out of exile. You get to see this. I see him. This is, all right, uh, this, is, this is a powerful, this is Balaam, who, who Balak, the king of Moab, was trying to hire him to curse Israel and and so he hires him and and there Balaam offers these sacrifices and then all of a sudden God begins to speak to him instead of cursing Israel he blesses Israel and he says I see him but not now I perceive him but not near a star will come from Jacob and a scepter the idea of kingdom will arise from Israel he will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. Listen to me, saints. Let me break it down for you. God had a kingdom. It started with Adam. Adam represents all humanity, right? Adam and Eve, the mother and father of all living, they represent all humanity. So what happened to them? They sinned. So all humanity is now sin. So we're jacked up. So it moves down to a nation. And he says through Abraham, I'm going to build up a nation. So it moves to a nation of people to be his priests. It was all humanity, but humanity was jacked up. So then it moves to Israel, and, and Israel gets jacked up. Then it moves to a tribe, right? The tribe of Judah, but it gets jacked up. And then all of a sudden, it moves into, oh, we're going to move into King David. We're going to move into a king, into one man. And he gets jacked up because you remember Israel was called the son of God. That's, that was one of the ideas behind that nation. And then all of a sudden you see David and his sons, the sons of David, they're jacked up. But God continually said, I'm going to be faithful and love you. And I'm going to send a true son of David. I'm going to send a true son of David. And he won't be jacked up. And that true son will produce a kingdom, will produce a nation, a kingdom of priests. And those kingdom of priests will represent all humanity to be right with God. See how God reversed the curse? That's what happened. Jesus did what Adam couldn't do. Matthew chapter 4, if, if you see what happens in Matthew chapter 4 and verses 1 through 11, there when Jesus, the Bible says, when he was hungry, Satan began to tempt him and say, hey, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus begins to quote scripture and says, man does not live on bread alone, but lives on the very word of God. What did Adam and Eve, what were they tempted over? They were tempted over food. 
if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, will you really die, the serpent said? Will you really die? Can you trust God? Remember, Satan, as John Piper would say, he comes with deception first. He doesn't come with possession. He comes with deception. And so he wants to deceive us. But what did Jesus do? Jesus overcame what Adam couldn't over. He, he looked at the fruit and saw it was good. And then that's what Eve did. And then she took it and, ate it and then gave it to him. He had to be close by. He wasn't far away. But Jesus did what he couldn't do. This is why it's awesome. Now we get to see this is powerful. Go back to Numbers 24 and you see it says, He will smash the forehead of, forehead of Moab. Literally, that's the skull. That's that Genesis 3.15 when he says, Out of the offspring there, out of the offspring of Eve, that there's going to rise up a king and he will smash the serpent. He says, You will crush in the NIV crush his head here's an example moab was trying to curse israel but jesus the prophecy here that we see in the magi and matthew chapter 2 that saw the star in the east we they see the prophecy fulfilled there is a king coming who will smash all curses all curses galatians 3 tells us that jesus became the curse for us because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree he did it. God is faithful. So image can now be restored as we talked about last week. We talked about shadow. It can be restored because humanity failed. Israel failed. David failed. The sons of David failed. But guess what? There came a man, God, and a God-man named Jesus, and he was the son of David, the prophecy coming, the scepter of Israel, and he will arise and rise up a new kingdom of priests, and they will be a royal priesthood of believers forever. And that's what we get to see in Revelation chapter 21. Let's go to this, back to Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Verse 3, look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and that's what Jesus brought for us, his dwelling, his presence, which means this, Christmas, here's one of the two points I want you to understand, that Christmas reminds us that the gospel promises us God's presence. We have his presence. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will, will be with them and be their God. No more separation. Continual presence of the Lord. And we have that now by the Holy Spirit. So Robbie, I'm going to ask you to play over me because I'm going to try and land this plane here. I'm going to land it hopefully here in just the next few minutes. I want to land this thing so we can encounter the faithfulness of God because I believe this and I want to say this. God has been speaking to me and I just I showed you and I told you. I don't really have to prove it. God defends himself. But I want you to see what God is doing and that God will speak to you, and he will move. I want you to ask the Lord today, God, give me the gift of prophecy. I want you to ask the Lord today, Lord, I need you to help me be faithful, to trust your faithfulness. Let's ask the Lord today. And then the third thing that we need to do, Robbie, is that as what we talked about, is we need to thank the Lord. Listen, let's just, be, let's just say this. Let's just say this, right? Coach Chavel, the Lord is good. Right? He is good. And one thing we know, that God has been faithful to us. Christmas is a testimony of the faithful. I don't care what situation you've been in. 
I don't care about past relationships, failures, successes, ups and downs, finances right and left, don't know where to go, don't know to turn right and left, don't know your schoolwork, don't know how you're going to pass, don't know how you're going to affect your grandchildren. I know this, that the blood of Jesus is no respect of persons, and he will come to us and bring us life. He is faithful. We have his presence. And his full presence is coming. So we might look to the world caged, and we might look to the world weak, and we might look to the world broke, and we might look to the world and they make fun of us. And they might ridicule us. But we rejoice in the middle of this cage of fragile flesh because we know that our Redeemer lives and that our Redeemer is coming. And look what's going to happen. Here we go. And this is the last one. Christmas reminds us that the gospel promises us no more tears. No more tears. And why is that so powerful? Look at verse 4. He will wipe away. I won't wipe away. Your spouse won't wipe away. Your children and your friendships and your high school friends and your parents or the father that walked out on you when he comes back, he won't wipe that tear away. Christmas Eve and you're single and you're by yourself, he won't wipe that tear away. Your wife that just died or sick of cancer, she won't wipe that tear away. There's only one who can wipe the tear away regardless of the circumstance. And here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. What causes tears? Death. What causes uh, tears? Grief. What causes tears? Crying. What causes tears? Pain. And the Bible says, will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Here is the good news. He will wipe away. In the Greek, that means to obliterate. It means to erase. He will wipe it all away because in verse 5, he does make all things new. And when we allow Jesus to step in our lives, he makes everything new. Look, here's what it is. This Christmas, I beg you in the name of Jesus. I wish God would give me a prophetic word. I could just walk over to you, lay my hand on you, boom, tell you, boom, tell you, boom. Sometimes it happens, as you've seen. But I'll tell you who will always answer. He's going to make all things new. So why not, Lord willing, let him make this Christmas new? Why not this week? You play Friday night at 8 o'clock. Is that right, Coach Chavel? Why not let him make it new? He hadn't given me a word yet. I don't know. But I'm going to say this. Whatever happened yesterday, the Bible says is yesterday. Forgetting what lies behind. Come on, somebody. Right? We press towards. Agonizomai. We, we agonize in towards that goal. And God will answer you. He is faithful. 
And I want to tell you that I love you and I adore you. And regardless if you think that you're not beautiful and that you don't think that you're lovely, and I want to tell you the pain that that caused, listen, God is going to make all things new and God will make how you believe about yourself new and God will redeem everything new there in verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. God is longing to make new because he's longing for us to know him. Today, will you trust him as being faithful? One, saints, ask for the gift of prophecy. Don't back away from it. He told us to in 1 Corinthians 14. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid. I'm not saying we won't mess up. Just don't be afraid. Number two, ask him. God, help me to trust you as faithful. 2 Corinthians 2.13, I say it all the time, I'm going to say it till we memorize it. When we are faithless, he is what? Because he cannot disown himself. Three, will you ask him to make you new? Uh, but John, I'm born again. So are these people in Revelation. But he makes it new. Every day is new in Christ. It's a new moment for the team. It's a new moment for us. It's a new moment to experience the faithfulness of God. It's a new moment for us. Though the world sees us trapped, we have been set free. And it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Father, that is my prayer. Lord, today, who would just like to come and kneel and ask in this room if they're physically capable because some are not and that's fine Lord who in this room wants to come forward and say today Lord I'm asking for the gift of prophecy I just want to come and sit I want to come and sit and rest I'm asking for the gift of prophecy we need we need prophecy Lord we need that gift we need it to speak to people to speak life to speak your love to speak hope, to speak future. We need the gift of prophecy because you promised us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Lord, you say, but the person who prophesies speaks to the people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. Number two, Lord, who in this room just needs to just ask God to help them be faithful? Faithful, Lord, as your disciple said, increase our faith. Or is the man who is getting ready to receive a miracle, help my unbelief. God, who in here just needs to come forward and say, hey, listen, I, I don't know what to do with this degree. I don't know what to agree with finances. I don't know what to agree about my children, grandchildren, next job, next decision. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I just need, Lord, I need you to come in and help me to trust you because you know the numbers, uh, uh, hairs on my head. There's not a sparrow that doesn't fall in the Amazon that you don't know. And then, Lord, maybe there's some people in this room that need some relationships to be healed. And they just want to come and say, Lord, start with me. Make me new. Make me new. Make me new. Give me a new attitude, a, a new desire, a new heart, a new path, a new way, a new team. Just make it new, Lord. Make me new. That is my prayer, Lord. And if there's anyone here today that, Lord, they know that they're not right with you. 
they are not right. They have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And their sin is before them and they feel it and they know it. And Satan is trying to get them to denounce it. But the Spirit is greater because he's defeated. I pray they would listen to the conviction that you're talking to them. And they would get out of their seat, get up and walk forward and say, I need a new life in Christ. Lord, pour your Spirit out. Maybe you're going to have some people pray over people and give prophetic words, whatever that might be. You do it. We trust you. We love you. And we walk with you. In the name of Jesus.